Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. And today we're excited to talk all about the upcoming Sabbaths, Lunasa and Imbolg. I'm a Northern Hemisphere Oracle and Alora is in the Southern Hemisphere. So today we're talking on our respective Sabbaths. This way our listeners get information on both pagan holy days coming up on August 1st um, and 2nd-ish. So <laughs> let's get started. So today I'm going to be talking about Lunasa. Lunasa is spelled nothing like it sounds. It's L-U-G-H-N-A-S-A-D-H, but it's Lunasa. This is the upcoming Sabbath on August 1st for anyone living in the Northern Hemisphere. Lunasa means the Feast of Lu. Lamas is the Christianized name for this pagan holy day, and that translates to loaf mass. So Lunasa, put simply, is the first harvest festival of three on the uh, pagan wheel of the year. Two are Mabin and Sawen. Our ancestors celebrate as a way to give thanks for the crops and later to honor the Celtic sun god Lu. There's speculation that the first harvest was only a feast of the corn mother and her dying son, possibly the Irish Celtic goddess Danu, or uh, Anu, however you want to say it, and was later dedicated to Lu. Lu is the sun god and also the god of the harvest, uh, which the sun and the harvest typically go hand in hand for obvious reasons. Funny enough, Lu just emerged as my patron god this past few weeks and then I realized his feast day was coming up so I kind of fit in pretty well funny how that works <laughs> right exactly um so talk about who who celebrated the Sabbath um the Celtic people celebrated keep in mind that they spread out all over the point so it wasn't just the the Irish or Gaelic uh Celts I think some people associate the Celtic, excuse me, culture um, and tribes specifically with Ireland and Scotland um, and England, but that's, it's actually the Celts from one time were all the way from Turkey uh, spread out through all of, um, all the way to the British Isles and Ireland. So Lou, there's evidence of worship of him all over the continent of Europe with different names, but um, definitely the same God. So talking, to, we're going to talk about some customs and traditions um, in the Sabbath's past, which are going to be different from today, obvi- obviously, because we don't do the things that our ancestors had to do in the past to survive. But um, Lunasa was typically celebrated for a month in older times. It started in the last two weeks of July and went into mid-August. Uh, interestingly, Lunasa is also the name for August, I think, in the Gaelic language. Um, the three days leading up to Lunasa were once a time of purification, but oddly enough, they were not allowed to use water, uh, to bathe, (laughs) (laughs) which I found interesting. It was like, oh, it's a time of purification, but you can't use water. Don't shower yourself or anything. Well, that's interesting. What were you going to say? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, they think it's perhaps to keep the sanctity of fire for the festival, since the, the festival is considered a fire festival. Right. So if you hear cicadas in the background, it's because it's still kind of early. 
here, but anyway, um, the festival itself was intended to ensure a good harvest. The legend of John Barleycorn is tied into this Sabbath, which honestly I had never heard before, but basically John Barleycorn is a uh, spirit of the crops, you know, like a, um, what is it called? I don't know, I'm losing my words here, but basically for us to live, he has to die. So it seems a little morbid, but um, yeah, we have to eat, right? So I guess that was part of the old traditions that John Barleycorn must die on Lunasa. So basically, basically he was a martyr for agriculture? Yeah, yeah. He was like a sacrificial... (laughs) like image basically okay all right keep going so i and i didn't i didn't look too far into him but i'm i'm curious if they like burned like an image of him similar to like the wicker man you know what i mean or or even the burning man and, and that festival that they have that's from pagan origins but i'll have to look further into that because i found that pretty interesting Okay, so in addition, Lunasa was a yeah, Lunasa was the day uh, many hand fastings took place in the past. Hand fastings, if people don't know, that's when two lovers would um, basically take a, a an oath to remain together for a full year until the following Lunasa, and then if they decided to marry at that time, then they could their separate ways. So yeah, Lunasa was a day that that happened quite a bit. Um, In Ireland, they also had big horse fairs on Lunasa. Bonfires were particularly a tradition um, as the fire element welcomes and honors the sun. And at this point, we we don't realize it, but the sun is beginning to wane. A lot of people might not realize that, but Uh, Therefore, fires were a form of sympathetic magic to remind the sun to return. And uh, another tradition that people also climbed to the top of hills and mountains, and that was to be closer to the sun and uh, therefore to the god Lu. Do you have any questions for me or should I keep going? Oh, I'm just like, I'm entertained. Like I'm soaking it. (laughs) Because a lot of these old. Yeah. You can look, you know, you when you look up the Sabbaths, you know, there's so many different stories and folklore and every time, like, I mean, as long as we've been practicing you and I, there's still stories that we don't know. And when we find out, we're like, oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, I'm just so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I didn't. I mean, I knew quite a bit of this, but some of the stuff I was like, oh, I didn't know about the hand fastings or the John Barleycorn legend. So it's pretty cool. So next we're going to talk about if we celebrate the Sabbath annually. I would say that I do celebrate Lunasa annually. Some years I celebrate it in bigger ways than others, but I always try to do something uh, for Lunasa. I usually make a special meal and offer a portion of it to the harvest gods, but um, I think this year I'll be offering bread to Lou since he's my new patron, and I also plan to sunbathe as well, but then again, I've pretty much been doing that daily because there isn't (laughs) a whole lot else to do (laughs) it's not like we can really go many put you know anyway um before i move on do you celebrate lunasa annually laura um yes 
<laughs> uh, usually, uh, it's e- and you know, like, well, it depends on the practitioner, but like for me, as far as annual celebration of holy days, uh, I find that I, I don't connect to the spring Sabbaths as much as I do summer and fall. Uh, mm-hmm. I did, and yeah, so summer and fall Sabbaths usually are all annual for me, and then spring and winter is just dependent like yeah yeah and then when you transfer from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere it's even weirder (laughs) yeah i'm sure and i hopefully you'll be able to talk a little more on that um yeah uh so i guess do i feel that this is an important sabbath in my honest opinion, this Sabbath, okay, and this might not be like super popular with everyone, but I'm just going to say it anyway. I don't know that it's as important in modern times. Um, obviously, it was very important in ancient times because people relied so heavily on what they were growing for survival over the winter. And today, obviously, it's a bit different for us. Um, that being said, the importance of the Sabbath, it's increased for me because of my new relationship with the god Lou. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites, but I, like I said, I do try to celebrate each year. Um, but I think that it, for modern pract- practitioners, it may take on a little bit of a new meaning because obviously we're not out in the fields. Most of us aren't out in the fields, like, you know, collecting the first harvest and whatnot. <laughs> right. Um, so it may take on more of a new meaning, like reflecting on what we've um excuse me, accomplished so far over the year. Um, Maybe if you have a garden and, and, you know, you can celebrate the first harvest in a way by harvesting some of your herbs or veggies or whatever you're growing. Um, So, yeah, and it's not one of my favorites, but I would say I love each Sabbath for its own unique, you know, traits, I guess. And I would even venture to say that due to recent events in the world, um, basically, you know, the pandemic and being on lockdown and things like that and food shortages in the grocery stores and, and all of that. I think that the importance of this Sabbath is actually like making a comeback, if you will, <laughs> because people are realizing yeah. just how much like we've relied on industry to feed us when we have backyards yeah. and yeah, places to do those things and we're innovative. So people are coming up with even more ways to have gardens in the middle of, you know, a busy city. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I actually, when this whole thing started with the pandemic and whatnot, I kind of went into like semi survival mode and I, <laughs> and I got, um, it's called a veggie pod. The guys that invented it, like, I think they're from Australia, but anyway, it's like a raised garden bed, but it's a self-watering system. So, um, and it has a cover over the top, so it keeps all the pests out. And um, so right now I have all kinds of stuff growing in there. I have an eggplant, jalapeno, basil, tomato, all kinds of veggies that I've never been able to, to grow before. So, um, yeah, so that kind of adds to what. Okay, so what are the modern ways to celebrate Lunasa? 
Okay, so uh, we just said if you have a garden and you, you know, you're able to harvest some things, then that's a great way to celebrate. Um, but I would say that there's a lot of easier ways to celebrate, especially for people that don't have a garden. First, uh, getting out and outside in the sun is easy and free, and it honors the, the sun and the sun god Lou. Uh, you can sunbathe or go for a swim. You can also go traditional and perform maybe three different purification rituals each of the three days leading up to Lunasa. Um, since Lunasa was a big, uh, it was a fire festival, but you know, fire also equaled purification. And so, you know, you could cleanse your house one day and then your, you know, your altar, your house, and then maybe yourself, you know, three days leading up to Lunasa. You could also have a bonfire. That's a perfect way to celebrate or, or you could just light a candle even um, to honor the sun and, and the fire aspect of the Sabbath. If you live near a berry farm, if they're open, picking blackberries is, is traditional, but it's also fun. Um, or if you have like a wild blackberry patch, that would be pretty cool. Uh, you can bake, bake them into a pie, bread making. There's so many things that you can do right from your house even. And, you know, if you're feeling crafty, there's also something called a corn dolly that you can make and then keep until next Lunasa. There's a bunch of tutorials online for those as well. Awesome. Uh, this is a perfect spot, actually, because we had a question in the Otherworldly Oracle group about how to include children in uh, celebrating holy days. So you're a mom, and how would you say is a good way to incorporate children into celebrating Lunasa? So... I mean, depending on what you can do, obviously the berry picking was, is fun. If, like I said, if you can find an open farm or a wild patch, obviously kids would love to pick berries, at least from my experience, you can bake them. You can bake together. If you want to try to bake a pie or make bread, the kids will usually get involved in that. Um, building a fire and letting them roast marshmallows, even, I mean, you could light a candle and just everyone give thanks for for having, you know, health and food and all of the blessings that we have in our lives so far this year, even amidst everything that's going on. And another idea I had, which was actually someone in the group made uh, sun, sun catchers or sun prisms. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like the, not crystals, but they're like the prisms that will catch the sun. Yeah. Um, you can make those together. That's a fun little craft you could do with kids that or really anybody would enjoy that or even the corn dollies yeah or the corn dollies that's right yeah there's a bunch of I mean if you can look up like Lunasa crafts on Pinterest or just online you'll be able to find a bunch of different ideas anything to do with the sun any kind of craft to do with the sun is perfect uh, what else? Oh, and then too, if you wanted to teach them about the gods associated with the Sabbath, you could read them the tale of the god Lou or even the legend of John Barleycorn, though now that I'm thinking about it, it might be a little... Yeah, that might be a little... Maybe not more. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little... Maybe horrible. for the older kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what I had on that. <laughs> so... Our, you talked a little bit about foods, uh, but what are other correspondences with Lunasop? So okay. Like um, so 
herbs for Lunasa would include, again, anything, any kind of flowers that remind you. Not traditional, but they're often a symbol that's used for the Sabbath. Goldenrod, uh, red corn is a traditional plant or whatever you want to say associated. So is meadowsweet. It's a flower that was worn in crowns on Lunasa and it was uh, favored by the Druids. Mint and calendula. And uh, for stones for Lunasa, again, anything related to the sun, citrine, sunstone, goldstone, etc. And then also talking about colors, anything that's evocative of the first uh, harvest. So, you know, any yellow, red, orange, or gold is perfect. Awesome. So this will probably be the most memorable Lunasa for you, just because Lou has come forward in your practice. But do you have any specific memories from celebrating this Sabbath? Honestly, I don't. The only thing that I can really remember is that I always eat blackberries on Lunasa. Um, I think moving forward, I'll feel a deeper connection to it because of Lou, but that's yet to be determined. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, I'm I'm curious as to how this Lunasa will go for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when is it even? Like, what day of the week is it? I'm trying to. Uh, I don't know the day of the week, but I know August first is the official. Oh, it's on a Saturday. Oh, there you go. For me, at least. So, yeah. So that works out. That means I'll actually have some time to. Nice. Well, should I just jump into Emolk or what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, talk on your respective Sabbath that's coming up. So, for the, our Southern people, right? Yes. So, I am in Perth, Australia. And as such, the wheel of the year is reversed from the Northern Hemisphere. So, that means while you up there in the Northern Hemisphere are celebrating Lunasa down here in the South, we will be celebrating Emolk. So it's spelled I-M-B-O-L-C, but the old spelling is O-I-M-E-L-C, which is Gaelic, and it literally translates to mean use milk. So some of the history of the Sabbath is, um, this is most, well, a lot of practitioners refer to this Uh, High Holy Day as the Festival of Breed. Uh, That's the Celtic pronunciation, but it's Brigid um, if you don't pronounce it that way. Um, She is a Celtic triple goddess of fire who was later deemed a saint by the Catholic Church. Uh, This is the time of the year when the god who was born at Yule is now an infant and nursing from the goddess. Thus why it is a milk festival. Uh, But it also Ah. symbolizes the goddess as she transforms from crone to maiden to begin her cycle over again in anticipation of becoming the bride of the god at Beltane. So we have like two things going on here with this particular Sabbath. Um, Emolk is almost exclusively tied to the Celts because it is not mentioned outside of Celtic lore in any other culture. 
But other parts of the world had festivals at this time, like the Feast of Newt in Egypt. Other deities celebrated during this time include, and I can't say this word, <laughs> I cannot say <laughs> that is his name. Uh, uh, I'm going to spell it. C-A-I-L-L-E-A-C-H. So that is an aspect of breed as the crone. Oh, the Kaliak. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I can never say that word. I'm like, ah, I'm, I can't pronounce this. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy, those Gaelic words and, you know, Irish, Gaelic, Scottish words. Uh, so other deities celebrated include uh, her, <laughs> Aradia, Aphrodite, <laughs> Bast, Caridwen, Gaia, Hestia, and Vesta. So... Some of the customs and traditions of the past include the lighting of the home's hearth, um, but it would first be put out, cleaned out, and then relit to symbolize the return of the sun and to place the focus within the home. So this is a fire festival, festival, but not in the sense uh, like uh, Lunasa would be. This fire festival is solely revolves around the home and hearth so fires in the hearth are a big deal during this time um they would ornately decorate plows and would plow the fields while children went behind the plow planting the first seeds of spring um and i thought this was interesting because i did not know this but this i thought was really interesting so Divination is one of the things that was really present back then for this uh, High Holy Day. But it was particularly divination about the weather that was coming up So for summer. Hmm. So traditionally, it was said that if the weather was terrible on Emolk, the summer would come quickly. But if it was a bright day, the winter would last longer. Does anyone think this sounds like Groundhog Day? Anybody? Yes, I was just about <laughs> to say that. Yeah. I was just about to say, oh, Groundhog Day. Yep. Um, that that lore actually stems not from this particular story, but from this particular holiday. But um, mm-hmm. this particular story, uh, the weather situation, uh, this is from believing that the Kaliak Cal- would need good mm-hmm. sunny weather to gather firewood for the longer winter. But when she didn't need the firewood, she would go to sleep and the weather would be rainy because it wouldn't matter if the firewood was dry or wet. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Learning. <laughs> <laughs> Another cool thing that they used to do during this holiday is to visit wells, particularly holy ones. Mm-hmm. And they would leave offerings for health and wealth for the upcoming year. And then you have like one of the sides of the holiday, which is the goddess getting ready to be the bride for the god at Beltane. So young unmarried women of the household or the village would create corn dollies to represent breed. And they would make her a bed to lie in. And then um, the girls and young women would gather together in one house and stay up all night with the, with the breed bed that they, they had made. Um, and uh-huh. They would later be visited by all the young men of the village and the young men Whoa. would have to pr- 
permission to enter the home and then treat them and the corn dolly with respect. So can you imagine these like young men <laughs> homes and being like, yes, can I sit and eat with you and your corn dolly? <laughs> like, what? I feel like there would be a lot of it. It seems like it seems like a serious thing, like, you know, when you read about it, but then when you talk about it, I can almost see the kids like laughing, you know, like it's a kind of a lighthearted, humorous thing. Well, but then the following day, these girls carry this bridal bed and the breed doll through the village or neighborhood from house to house where this representation of the goddess would be welcomed into each home with great honor and reverence. Oh, that's so cool. So cool and weird. I don't know. I've never, I've never read about this. This is awesome. (laughs) No. Um, Wow. Conversely, adult women who were married or uh, ran their own household stayed home to welcome the procession of the breed and and, uh, bridal beds. Um, and they hmm. would give an offering of food or coins um, <laughs> as thanks. And since breed represents the light half of the year um, and the power that brings the people out of the dark season of winter into spring, everybody like her presence was really important at this time. Um, breed was mm-hmm. said to walk the earth on Emolk Eve. And before going to bed, each member of the house would leave a piece of clothing or strip of cloth outside for Breed to bless. And the head of the household would um, would be the one to basically smother the fire, put it out, clean it, and then relight it. Um, wow. Let's see. What else? Uh... Do I celebrate this Sabbath annually? I think I answered that before. Um, This particular Sabbath, I don't celebrate annually uh, because I celebrate with the Sabbaths that resonate with me during any given year. This one doesn't usually resonate Mm -hmm. with me in particular. Right. Um, So I may like, I may do something small, but I usually don't go full out for emolk. I think, I think most people are like that, you know, um, I mean, I've seen people that are dedicated to each and do something big for each, but those people are a little few and far between, (laughs) especially nowadays, you know, like back in the day when it was like, everything was Wicca, um, you know, this, you know, you had to celebrate each one according to the rules, but I think now it's kind of like whatever resonates, then you go all out for those. And then the others you may honor in a smaller way. So I think that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So do I think the Sabbath is important? I do, but see, like, I think too, part of the connection, uh, thing with the Sabbaths has also to do with your particular place in your own life. And so being mm-hmm. that this is a Sabbath of maidens and of, um, nursing mothers, like, I'm definitely out of the maiden phase and I've never nursed a baby because I don't have children of my own. And so those two things, like I don't, I haven't connected very often with. Um, yeah. But there was, or maybe if your matron is Bridget, 
then that that would probably yeah right but I do love breed and I um I enjoy working with her on her day um and then Mm -hmm. I have also worked well I have made a, a breed candle and that was awesome um so she's definitely a great energy to work with so I do like about mm. this habit yeah so how would you say you know barring that we're not doing bridal beds <laughs> and you know <laughs> corn dolly processions and all um how would you say people can celebrate the sabbath today in more simple ways so anything that I mention here, you can include children in if they're interested and want to do whatever, if you want to include them. Um, but common activities for this holiday in modern times include making a breeds cross. If you Google that or on Pinterest, you will find it. It's basically looks like a smaller version of a pinwheel. Um, but it has four mm-hmm. arms in the center. Um, so breeds crosses, Um, crafting corn dollies which I find it so interesting that we're on opposite sides of the wheel of the year here but there's a lot of resonance with the same types of activities that go on yeah um scrying by fire or stone taking cleansing milk baths for purification uh making foods with dairy and undertaking initiation or dedication into witchcraft and metaphysical studies. That's a good idea. Yeah, that so, makes sense. So if this, so like if you're out there listening and you've, you know, been researching and thinking about this path and you've decided in your mind that this is something that you want to pursue, Emolk is a great Sabbath to dedicate or to initiate into a witchcraft path. Oh, you know what? I just want to cut in real quick. Something we didn't say. So I guess we just assumed, but if you're Northern Hemisphere, then um, the Sabbath on the Sabbath on the wheel of the year is going to be flipped, right? So that's why on August 1st, I'm celebrating Lunasa and the Northern Hemisphere and Alora is celebrating or will be celebrating Emolk in the Southern Hemisphere. So if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, Emolk isn't until February 1st into the 2nd of each year. And then um, what would be the opposite of that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lunasa, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Lunasa would be February 1st slash 1st-ish for the Southern Hemisphere, correct? Yes. Okay. So sorry. I just wanted to put that out there because people might be like, well, wait, when is it? You know, (laughs) it, it seems obvious, but it might not be. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, so did we have, no. Okay. So you touched a little bit about the milk, but what are some, maybe some other magical associations with the, the Sabbath? So uh, foods that are associated with uh, e-milk include milk and anything that contains dairy. So like cheesecake, egg pies, puddings, custards, ice creams, all of that stuff is totally acceptable. Mm. Um, Anything that contains winter vegetables. So lots of people will make like a winter veggie stew. Um, And then particularly in Australia, lamb roast is popular during emulk because um, first of all, it's it's a used milk 
um, <laughs> Sabat. But uh, also lamb is like one of the main meats around here. So it's appropriate. On Wait, interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. As far as colors go, you would be using whites, lavenders, gold, blue, green, pink, brown, and all pastel um, type tones. Um, some okay. some brilliant tones, but mostly your your muted tones. Her- yeah, herbs and flowers. Now, this I found really interesting. So, in Australia, up until recently, August first was known as Waddle Day. <laughs> Um, and, <laughs> and wattle is a flower and it looks like, I'm trying to think of what it looks like. It kind of looks like, uh, lavender, but yellow. So oh, like okay. bright yellow, but they're, but unlike lavender, well, it's like puffy. I don't know how to describe this flower, but, but it's shaped like lavender and it's yellow and it's fuzzy. It's a fuzzy flower. Is it like goldenrod a little bit? Sort of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hell, it may even be the same flower and I just don't know it. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just know that uh, when I looked at the wattle flower, that's what it looked like. Uh, Got you. Black-eyed Susans, any shade of purple or white flower, chamomile, jasmine, basil, angelica, rosemary, and bay. Crystals you can use hmm. for emulk include amethyst, peridot, onyx, garnet, bloodstone, carnelian, moss agate, and moonstone. And animals. This was super interesting. So, of course, lamb, sheep, uh, but all burrowing animals. So, if you're in the northern hemisphere, that's like your uh, badgers, groundhogs, moles, you know, this Mm-hmm. Well, down here in Australia, that means wombats, e- echidnas, bandicoots. <laughs> <laughs> so all those types of animals that burrow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's strange being a Northern Hemisphere girl down here learning all this because yeah. I feel like I'm learning a complete mm-hmm. new a complete new practice for sure because it's not this yeah. ecosystem. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it's a completely different ecosystem. Yeah, interesting. So do you have any specific memories or experiences with this Sabbath? I do. And actually, it's funny because I think the largest celebration I ever did of Emolk was uh, I actually uh, did my self-dedication on Emolk of 2011 so a long time ago, I had been uh-huh. studying and researching for a while, like heavily, um, the year before. And then, and I did some in my teenage years, but it was that winter slash going into spring that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. Like I'm dedicated. And I, it just so happened that Emolk was the Sabbath that was coming up. So it wasn't something that I was like, oh yes, I'm going to wait until this perfect Sabbath because I just wanted to go ahead and do it. And then later I found out that mm-hmm. this is one of the top high holy days for, you know, self-initiation, self-dedication. Hmm. That's cool. I, I don't know. I didn't know that. Maybe I, maybe I didn't, I just didn't remember, but 
there's so much to each of these sabbats though that i mean you could read and read and read and still not learn everything about it because a lot of them too as you were saying with like the egyptian feast days and all that there's different like festivals all on to these traditional sabbats right so I mean, you could branch out and read about the Roman equivalent of the, you know, Midsummer, And I mean, there's just so much information that you're never, you're probably never going to read all of it. <laughs> yeah. And like for Emolk in the Northern Hemisphere, so you've got like Aphrodite and um, Aradia associated with Emolk because there's Saturnalia, or I'm sorry, Lupercalia, not Saturnalia. Ugh. Lupercalia. Yes, Lupercalia. Oh. That comes right after. But down here in the Southern Hemisphere, mm-hmm. that's not the case. So really down here, those deities don't, you know, they're of little influence. Whereas like Vesta and Hestia, those are goddesses of the home, which would be uh, significant, prominent, um, mm-hmm. the Sabbath, no matter what. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely different trying to navigate the habits in a different ecosystem you know what i found interesting too or when i think about it some of the sabbats are named well i can think of three but they're three specifically are named after pagan gods but i was reading that they might have initially been more centered on the goddess but that kind of changed over the centuries I don't know why that is, but like Lunasa, um, they said was later named Lunasa after Lou, because Lou was sort of a latecomer to the Irish pantheon. Hmm. Um, And then, yeah, and then also, what are the other ones? Oh, Beltane, uh, Bell part. Um, It also corresponds to Baal, like fire, but could also, it also relates to the sun god Belenus which was from continental Europe. And then what was the other one I'm thinking of? Um, oh, crud. Lunasa, Beltane. Oh, Mabin. Mabin, um, that that was a god. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Mabin uh, was the harvest god. And then uh, his mother was Mo- Modron, I think. So it's kind of interesting when you start looking at the names of each and like where those come from and how it might have been different in the past. And that's more of like a newer thing. Like we don't know. <laughs> right. There's just so much to each one of these. Yeah. It's a, I mean, they're really, really broad topics. And because mm-hmm. of the nature of how old they are, it's, you know, you get conflicting stories and it's hard to find like, information that's credible so you know if you're doing research on your own just make sure that you're you know whoever you're getting the these stories from and such is um like credible and and yeah your yeah and stuff because it can be really difficult yeah honestly I, i mean just like we say with everything like to beginners especially you know um tailor what you're doing to your preferences obviously and whatever what resonates with you truly because as we've said there's a lot of information to each one of these and you could easily get lost as far as what you want to do um another example too is you know there's always these the double what's that 
Sorry, what was oh, that? Sorry, I didn't say anything. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, something like cut in. But uh what I was saying is um oh, so there's always the double story too that always kind of confused me with the mother goddess, you know, giving birth and then dying and being reborn and went hand in hand with the god dying and being reborn with the sun i don't know if you know what i'm talking about and then there's also like the holly king and the oak king and oh yeah there's all these different legends that can kind of get you're like wait a second is the god dying and or is it the goddess or what like what are we doing here so (laughs) i think if you just start out small it's probably best as a beginner like you know understand the very basics you know, Lunasa, first harvest, let me give thanks kind of thing, light a candle. It might just be easier that way than completely buried in all of the, the origins and all that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. And I and I definitely learned this year that it's difficult to celebrate Yule when it's not in December. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I, okay, so, t- so you guys have Yule well yule up here would be technically winter for us but down there it would be summer yes that is middle of the summer so we that is so like yeah because <laughs> twisted down here when you guys are celebrating yule we are on our summer solstice right okay summer solstice all right so, so with the solstice, it's the direct op. it's like the the direct opposite but what am I trying to work out here in my head climate like weather wise and all that it kind of flips right and like like, the other I but I also came to the conclusion this year or when Yule came around I was thinking to myself I bet this is where Christmas in July comes from man absolutely that makes a lot of sense because it's like holy crap wait a minute (laughs) yeah Well, and you know what? I I can feel for you because not, I mean, I can't relate completely because I don't live in Australia, but in Florida, it's pretty much, we have two seasons, a long ass summer and a very tiny, short, semi winter. So (laughs) like on Christmas or Yule season, whatever, I'm trying to wear like fleece Christmas overalls because I'm crazy like that. And it's like, you know, 80 degrees here on Christmas day. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really uh, feel like it, you know, and I'm I'm sure people are like, oh, boo-hoo, you know, sorry for you. But it it is kind of when you're really into the four seasons and then you live somewhere that's different, it's kind of hard to adjust, especially in your, like your mindset, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. It was hard to wrap my mind around uh, at, at you know, in December at the Christmas season, it's barbecues and pool parties. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how does <laughs> this so even weird. work? So, yeah. So do you guys still like decorate like it's Christmas or? Yeah. We, how does that yeah, work? Yeah. Okay. Everybody still decorates and there's, you know, lights everywhere, neighborhoods and Santa and all that stuff. But down here, what? Oh, wow. down here, Santa is often pictured in board shorts and you know a Hawaiian shirt. oh my god that's funny <laughs> that's hilarious oh wow 
All right. Well, you have anything else to add or should we wrap it up? What do you think? No, I mean, I think we covered these habits pretty well. And if anybody has any questions, come by the Otherworldly Oracle page or up in Otherworldly Oracle group and drop the questions. And we have no problem answering and getting back to you. Truth. Truth. Well, um, thank you all for joining us for a magical Otherworldly Hour. And don't forget to like and follow. <laughs> don't forget to like and follow Alora's Facebook page, The Wayfaring Witch. Um, and make sure you listen into our next episode where we will be discussing ancestor work, which may go over the hour because I think that's a, a topic you and I yeah could talk forever on. So <laughs> for sure, but join us because it should be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, guys. See you later.